You're listening to the Coach's Journey Podcast. Exposing the struggles and celebrating the successes in the life of coaches who are action takers and creating authentic impact in today's world. Whether you're just starting out, expanding your reach, or exploding your impact, you're in the right place right now. Stay tuned and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Now, here are your hosts of the Coach's Journey Podcast. So for those who are watching, definitely watch or listen to the last episode because we talked quite a bit about like what's what might be holding you back from going towards collaboration, some of the things that Sherry shared around that you might have reservations around trusting people and all sorts of stuff. And that that actually stops you from even looking for those things. So you're training your mind to stop looking for those things. And also understanding like well, what are the some of the background things to think about around a collaboration. But thinking about collaboration in terms of what could be a potential step-by-step formula to build relationships. And, and I would say the first step is you got to get around people. Because the kind of business we have as coaches, you can literally be in your room and not see anybody and do a couple of videos. And I know coaches like that. They're just in their own corner. I was like that too. In their own corner, they don't meet anybody. They don't talk to anybody. And most of their ideas are from books and from whatever they've observed and all that stuff. While that can be effective, it just it doesn't have enough real life context. And usually when you're putting even your content out there, people want to see you connecting with others. They want to see you as you're part of something. So let me just pause for a minute, because I think that's a really powerful thing to realize. You know, I'm also, you know, a, a lot of coaches, interestingly, are introverts. And certainly there's many of you that are listening that are extroverts. And I would say that whether you naturally like to recharge by yourself or not, that's really irrelevant. Like, take that thought and that perspective that, you know, if you're, if you're thinking, oh, I don't, you know, I don't, it's exhausting being around people. I'm not good at it. I don't like it. I don't blah, blah, blah. Like take that and put that aside because that really is relevant. If you want to have the impact that you want to have, collaboration is going to level up your, your coaching business. So don't let those things be excuses. And what Faisal is saying, like, think, think about the people, think about if you if there's somebody that you admire in business or that you look up to, if you knew that all they did was stay in their own house and, you know, I, I'm going to use, I'm going to use it. I'm going to say it and, and, and spend all their time with mental masturbation. <laughs> I just said that, <laughs> but you know, that's where you live in your head. And that's all that you do is you're in your own head. If you knew that's all that they did, would you respect him as much as if you saw them out, you know, meeting the minds of other people that are trying to do things and working and collaborating? Like I think about that in my own life, you know, who do I admire and, and who do I look up to and aspire to? And, and they are the people that are collaborating with other people and making bigger things happen. So I love that perspective I saw of, you know, you gotta, you gotta get out of your house at the very least. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't have to be where you're going to these big places. Like you could literally go with a friend somewhere and record something, or you could have share a story around that, or you could take a picture and share a story around that. Uh, like there are so many ways to do it. And, and I think it, it subconsciously impacts us on so many levels. Think about it as human beings, we're a social species. We see relevance in terms of how people connect with other people. So it's very interesting. Like I listen to very 
lonely people. <laughs> <laughs> these are philosophers who sit in their corner. I, I love these people. But, and I remember I was listening to this, this set of, like, I've listened to Carl Jung, Alan Watts, Manly Palmer Hall, like their lectures and their audiobooks and stuff. There was this, I still remember this, I was listening to a lecture from Alan Watts and he was talking, he was just talking about it. This is an audio lecture. He's talking about going to Carl Jung's cabin and them having a conversation about a specific, as soon as he said that, like, I could tell my mind is like, oh, I'm like, what? He connected with Carl Jung? As all kinds of questions that made me curious about, okay, how did they collaborated? They connected, they exchanged ideas. Now I want to understand how that happened. Yeah. And so it was very interesting for me because even though I love that, for somebody who can sit there for hours and hours, listen to that or read something like that, I still appreciated the social component of that because it communicates several things. One, that that person is not just talking theoretical. That person is involved with the community of whatever it is, people who are in, involved in thinking about these things. They're not just in their own mind doing mental masturbation. Terry <laughs> pointed out it's it's relevant to what's happening in the world. And and secondly, we associate value to people who can connect with other people. It doesn't matter if you're introverted or extroverted. This is a very subconscious process. Why? Because we associate a lot of our survival and growth to other people. Yeah. It's just the nature of who we are. Just, just keeping that in mind. I actually have a higher level of admiration and respect for people that do collaboration well, because there's aspects of collaboration that are not, that don't come natural to me. And so when I see people being able to really work together and have some synergy in, you know, in that gestalt idea that the whole is more than the sum of the parts, you know, that when you, when you put everything together, there is so much more impact and power available than if you just added all the individual parts up. And I, you know, I think there's so much, so much possibility. Yeah. And as a caveat, by the way, Dr. Sherry and I were both more introverted than extroverted. Am yes. I guessing that right, Sherry? Absolutely. And and for me, I was more on the extreme side as far as I remember. And I don't know how Sherry has been in her past. Sometimes she has shared that she's been in the corner of the room and it's hard for her to <laughs> interact. This is public knowledge. I'm not giving no. any secrets. <laughs> You're not giving any secrets. Uh, so... For me, it was it was the same. It was it was that it was very hard for me to interact with people, and I always used and like Sherry said, this idea of well, I'm an introvert, I can't do stuff like that. Well, that's not true. I can actually connect very deeply with people. I can still be introverted. I can still be thoughtful and connect with people in my own way. I and my tendency is to connect with people at a deeper level, and I tend to focus on quality more than quantity. And that's my way and that works for me, but I still, it helps me move ahead. So that's one part you need to figure out like how you can get around people and put yourself out there, however you want to do it. And then that's just an initial kind of intention, but it needs to be connected to your vision. This is why I focus so much on vision, because if you don't understand what your vision of life is and your vision of business is, you will not know, even when you go and put yourself out there, you will not know who to connect with because your vision basically shows you what kind of people you want to be around. It shows you what kind of businesses you want to create. It shows you what kind of work you want to do. What do, does your day-to-day -day life look like? 
And if you haven't explored that enough, and, and I used to assume that coaches do this until my jaw dropped when, <laughs> when, I, when I saw coaches, they have no idea what it is because they, having, they were having a hard time. It, it came about from a bunch of sessions that I watched when these coaches were having a hard time even communicating what a vision is versus a goal to their clients and the clients were confused. I'm like, okay, well, then they haven't done the work. They're trying to explain something theoretical. Mm. So uh, what that means is that you need to be clear about what you're creating in your life. And that will determine what kind of people you will be attracted to and you want to focus on when you are around other people. And so you will naturally know these kind of people or even intuitively, as some people will say, you will be attracted to these people because that, that's a part of your subconscious process, that vision that you think about, you feel it, you, you experience it in your mind. So you're naturally attracted to certain people that can make that vision a reality. And we call that intuition at times, or at least yeah. part of intuition. I mean, I think about it this way. <clears throat> I love ice cream. That is also public knowledge. <laughs> If there is one thing that I will gorge myself on, it is ice cream. And if I'm always thinking about ice cream, because that's what I want my life to be about, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, then anytime I hear I can't talk, have the picture of an ice cream cone over your right? But here's the deal. I prefer a bowl. Like, I, I don't want that. The, the cone is right. just a distraction, quite honestly. <laughs> but if I'm always thinking about ice cream as my vision then I start to notice anytime somebody says anything related to ice cream, or if we go buy something that, you know, and that has a little picture or sign of ice cream and, you know, the reticular activating system, when we think about something, it allows our brain to be primed and ready to notice the things that correspond or correlate to it. And so with the vision, if you don't have any idea what your vision is, you, you're not allowing your reticular activating system, your RAS, to actually work for you. But if you have your vision, if you know what it is, if you've got it, you know, up on the wall or whatever, like if, you, if it's on top of mind, then when people say things, do things, act in certain ways that are consistent or that maybe could add a piece or component to what you, you know, your vision is, all of a sudden you're aware of that. So there's this awareness I think this implicit awareness of potential collaboration opportunities that can happen if you have your vision dialed in. Yeah. I want to say a vision is much bigger than a lot of coaches are aware of vision boards. I don't even talk about vision boards, to be honest. I mention it as a passing because it's too surface. Like you can slap a bunch of pictures and words in there, but if they don't mean anything to you in a deeper way and they're like, oh, I'd like to have that. You won't make anything a reality if it's a, I'd like to have it. You will make something a reality that deeply matters to you because almost everything will take a lot of work. It'll take a lot of thought. It'll take a lot of emotions. It takes a lot for you to attract certain things in your life. And it needs to be much deeper than that. And, and beyond like what you see, it's actually your vision is much more expensive because it talks about your values. And the values piece is very important because you want to ideally get around people who have similar values as you, similar core values as you around growth, around how you treat people. But one of the worst things that I've seen in collaborations as I've watched my clients, as I've walked them through it, they're unsure how their collaborators will treat their clients. Mm. When I ask them, like, how confident are you as to 
how this person or this company will will treat your your clients they have what are their values how sure are you about that i have no idea like they seem to have a good reputation like okay and this is something that came from a very successful business owner who was at a conference and everybody was most people were business owners and he literally get everybody to raise their hand is like how many people have their 10 year 20 year vision for their business for their life maybe five percent ten percent and most of them are just hoping that this new opportunity will give them the next break they need to move forward. It's very short-term thinking. Yeah. And sh- short-term thinking doesn't get anybody out of anything. And, and that's one of the things, for example, in the financial world and uh, the investment world, it's what separates Warren Buffett from most people, which he's earned a lot of respect, is that he thought very long-term. He, to this day, he does. And most people don't understand it because they want a quick, rich kind of system. But he constantly tells you, like, most people don't want to follow that because they don't want to think long term. They have to be patient. They have to wait. They have to be strategic. So just that vision requires you to think long term, to look at your values, to look at what you're creating. And it naturally attracts the right people. But it naturally, like Dr. Sherry said, it, it makes your mind look for those kind of opportunities. And so what, so now you know your vision, you're open to, you're putting yourself out there, you're, you know your vision, now you get connected with somebody. This is where being proactive helps so much versus being like, okay, so you go to a conference or you meet somebody somewhere and you have a great time. And I've asked my clients who cannot seem to maintain relationships they're like I, I don't have any friends I don't have the right people in my life I need the right business partners I need the right teammates I need this like when was the last time you get, went to a conference it's like okay I just went and they go to conferences it's like I went there a few months ago uh, how many cards did you collect 30 40 or 30 40 contacts at this point a lot of people don't even have cards but we have LinkedIn profiles and QR codes which is very interesting I literally have a pile of cards this <laughs> that I don't use anymore. <laughs> like, oh, that was that was interesting how fast that phased out. Yep. <laughs> so I asked them, and so when was the last time you connected with those 30 or 40 people? Like they may be connected with one or two. And that even once they didn't reach out to them. They didn't get on another call. They didn't continue the conversation forward. And here's the thought process. The thought process is, well, if there's something comes up, they'll think of me. It doesn't work like that. Think about your life. You're so busy. Like there's so many things happening, especially if you have a family, you have multiple things going on. You will just jump from one thing to the next thing and you will forget that person no matter how important this is. I can't tell you how many times I've gone through my contacts and I've cringed because this person I connected with a long time ago, I forgot to reach out because (laughs) that person was, and I'm like, oh my God, I, I really wanted to connect with this person. So there's this interesting principle or idea in, in marketing, it's called the dream 100 and it's the idea and it's, it's about, it's around, it's exactly around collaboration and it's being intentional about identifying who are the people that you want to be connected with, you know, who are the dream influencers or people in your space or collaborators, peers, whatever that you want to, that you're wanting to you would love to partner with in some way or do something with or whatever. And, and it's interesting. And I think they came up with a hundred because that is about how many people our brain can keep 
kind of at the forefront of our mind at any given time. And so the cool thing though, is that if that's true, that means there's a hundred people that if something were to happen would kind of be, I'd be able to just easily grasp as a name, you know, that would be relevant in a, in a particular, particular situation. But that doesn't mean that there's only a hundred people that you can be top of mind to. You can be top of mind to thousands or millions like Tony Robbins. He's top of mind to millions of people, but millions of people are not top of mind to him. And so understanding how our brain works with that, I think is super powerful because that can be part of the motivator, part of the logical motivator that we've got to maintain connections with people. They're not Unless there's something super crazy about who you are or the way you look, they're not just going to magically remember you. They're not just, you're not just going to magically come to mind when an opportunity comes up to be able to work together or serve each other. You've really got to nurture and cultivate that relationship. And it requires a little bit of humility too. As Jason Goldberg, he went on stage when I was in Europe. He said, he's like, we, we need to recognize that we're really special and not so special at the same time <laughs> it, like you're special in your own life you have connections you have your uniqueness you have your expression so many things but you're also part of a like if you went away today the world moves on life does not stop and it gets you to become a little bit humble in the sense that hey and, and, and this is very interesting because I literally talked to a coach yesterday she was taking something very personally because people weren't responding to her and I get it because I've been there too. At this point, like I'll keep reaching out to people five, six, seven, eight times. It's like, okay, I know that people are busy. Like I, it's not related to me. They don't mean any harm to me. And quite a few, like very successful people too. It's very interesting how that happens. Oh, I reached out to that person three times and it never responded. I'm like, okay, so did you send any other value? Did you try to connect with them in another creative way? He's like, well, if they really wanted to, they would have. I'm like, no, that's not how the world works right now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> is that how you would treat somebody that you wanted to date? Like if you saw something, you're like, ooh, like I want to date that person. Would you be like, try it once and be like, eh, I get, you know, if they really wanted me, they no, if like you're really infatuated with somebody, you like figure out. Hopefully you don't cross the legal boundaries of stalking, but you know, you kind of figure out the like legal boundaries of stalking. <laughs> <laughs> like you figure out how do I accidentally magically be at all the places they are in the same circles they are? How do I actually bump into them at gym and then see them at the restaurant and all that? Like that, that's what you do because you want to strategically place yourself in a position where you can have that conversation and that connection. You're listening to the Coach's Journey Podcast. 